Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RIPodcast.net. This is episode 450, recorded live on Saturday, February 13th, 2016. And here are your hosts. The man who was most likely in a Pathfinder campaign this week, Dave Pillay. Hi. And the man who was in a D&D 5E campaign this week, Andy Lowe. I, I believe it's just called D&D, isn't it? Is this one just D&D? Like Dungeons & Dragons. They they eliminated the version number from the official title. Because remember, for a while it was D&D Next. Yeah, yeah, I remember they had called it Next, and now it's... Uh... Yeah, it is 5th edition, but... Cool! How's 5th edition, Andy? Um, it's pretty straightforward. There's, um... It... it it's not much different than, you know, 3.5. Yeah. The 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 major uh differences that I had one was uh you got to pick a background of your character mm-hmm. which uh gave you different bonuses and also different equipment to start the game. Okay. And um was this from like a preset list of backgrounds? Yes. Okay. What what were some of the options? Um, well, one was like a, a thief, entertainer. Okay, so still very general, still yes. enough to give you, probably like a scholar was one of them. Probably, yeah. Um, and then also, uh, there are ways of doing advantages and disadvantages. So if you were, instead of, you know, trying to figure out exactly like, oh, I sneak up behind a guy, instead of, you know, trying to figure out what plus would be to your roles and that sort of stuff there. Mm-hmm. You would just generically get advantage, and so you'd be able to roll two d20 and take the higher number of the two. Okay. And then conversely, if you're at a disadvantage, rather than trying to figure out exactly how much you know, how plus or minus your rolls would be, you would just be at disadvantage, and therefore, when you roll the two d20, you take the lower of the two numbers. So simplifying it quite a bit. Yes. Okay. Still took, you know, an hour and a half to roll up a character, but... Yeah. That's because, you know... Uh, I mean, an hour and a half is nothing. My character creation for Pathfinder tends to take, like, four hours. Oh, Jesus. Well, because we do it as a group, and you try and make a a cohesive party. Yeah, so do you want me to tell you what our party is? Sure. Let's hear it. There was eight people there. Let's see if I can get this all. Holy crap! Yeah. Eight people? You're playing a campaign with eight people? Well, this was kind of the first day just to see who was interested and, you know, try it out. Okay. We're currently working for a king's, um, I guess you'd call it his, not really his guard, because we're not protecting him, but we're just, you know, kind of... Militia? Militia, yes. We're part of the king's militia, that would be work. So, you know, if we have to split the group, especially since the virus is up in Grand Rapids, which is an hour drive for me, well, 45 minutes to an hour. Yep. And they were playing from 7 until 11. Oof. So I'd have to leave. I left here at like six, and you don't get back till midnight. Yeah, no, that's that's tough. Yep, but like once a week, yeah, even just once a week, I was dead Thursday morning, especially since I had to drive down to Coldwater too. So the party party is, uh, let's see, cleric, warlock, ranger, two rogues, mage. Druid and me. 
which is a half-orc barbarian. Okay. I don't know what most of those classes are. No, it's, it's, like, I can guess. Well, you, you, got, you got your mage, right? This, this is just the standard D&D right. thing, so you but got your mage. No, no, no. There was never a mage in standard D&D. Well, somebody cast mage armor. I don't remember exactly. There's a wizard. Might have been a wizard. There's sorcerers. Mage archer. Okay. Yeah, mage armor is a is a wizard spell. I don't know if there's a mage in 5th edition. There could be. There's a friggin' warlock. There was warlocks in 4th edition, but they weren't in 3rd edition or Pathfinder, 2nd or 1st. Um, but yeah, no, there was... Uh, so we got spellcaster, spellcaster, range... Skill. Skill monkey, skill monkey. Druid is... Divine caster. Cleric's divine caster. Yep. And then the barbarian. Who's the meat shield. Uh, huh. Yeah, it's not the best. Um... I, I hope not for you, because barbarians were never really designed to be meat shields. <laughs> well, who else is going to be the meat shield? Yep. Because the cleric... Is our only like healer? Oh, the cleric actually could be a meat shield. Like, what are you what are you defining as meat shield? And again, I don't know fifth edition. I don't know what their abilities are. I don't even know how abilities work in fifth edition. Well, let's put it this way: we had uh, our, our we went got we, got we got through one encounter. Well, yeah. technically two, but our druid was able to talk our way out of the first encounter, which was great. good. So it's, that is two encounters. Then keep yeah. in mind, you don't always have to fight. No, he he. Uh, my barbarian, um, whose background is entertainer, was a strongman in a circus um, until he killed a guy. Oops. Yep. Oops is right. Um, so he's always about the coin. So the, the druid's like, hey, uh, I'll pay you, you know, to be my, basically his bodyguard for the time being. Yeah. So I was getting paid gold, so I just followed him around, and the druid talked to uh, some of the snakes that were supposed to attack us, and he's like, Look, guys, leave us alone, or he's going to bash your head in. And the uh, my intimidation check worked. Nice. So the the snakes left us alone. Yep. But the the one fight we were in had uh, five kobolds and two wargs, and uh, we had three of our party members at three hit points or less, and somebody actually uh, at zero HP. Party needs to learn to not get hit. Yeah. Well, the, the the fun bit, though, is the fact that I took the classic half-orc barbarian, and we're supposed to have flaws. So my flaw is I don't like violence. <laughs> pacifist? I'm a pacifist half-orc barbarian. Until I get hit. As soon as I get hit, then I go Hulk. Yep. And literally, like, rage my way through anything. It's amusing that pacifism is considered a flaw. Well, I just decided that's what my flaw is. Okay. I don't think there's actually, like, physical, like, in the book. I think A the list book of flaws? ID. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, this fight's going around there, and I'm standing in there trying to talk to these people until one of our um, warlock or wizard, I don't remember which one, did a uh, persuasion check against me and ah. rolled a natural 20. Nice. So I'm like, well, fuck. I guess I got to start fighting now. Yep. I laugh when you come across, like, a high-int enchanter spellcaster who says, like, casts suggestion on you and says, you don't want to fight. Absolutely neuters your party because of it. Yeah, no, it was, 
it was fun to try that out again. But like I said, that's a hour and a half drive. They're hosting it in a bar. Oh. So there's lots of noise. Yeah. Plus, you know, you got to pay for food, pay for drinks. You may want to just, like, find a local group in Kalamazoo. Yeah. Just go to, like, an open board gaming night and well, the um, pick up a group. The comic book store here in town does that weekly D&D Adventures thing. Yep. Well, congratulations on getting back into tabletop role-playing, Andy. I'm excited to hear about the adventures of your half-orc. Grunk. Grunk the half-orc? Grunk the half-orc. It's a little on the nose, but he worked in the circus, so, you know, you gotta have the stereotypes. (laughs) What are are you saying about people who work at the circus, Andy? That they all conform to stereotypes? People call them carnies for a reason. Are you stereotype? Great, we just lost, like, a bunch of (laughs) potential... Oh my god, Andy. In this world... You know, you know, Robin worked in the circus, right? Like Batman's sidekick. True. Yeah, Robin was, you know, circus. You're right. (sighs) Don't give me this, like, all circus performers are such and such a way. So congratulations. You you got to build a half-orc and play. I played as my, um, my Oracle of Stone this week. We Oracle in- of Stone? Yep. So oh. Oracle is a divine spellcaster, but you don't necessarily worship any gods. You've just been granted powers by a god. In the same I way see. that like a sorcerer has magic in their blood, oracles get magic from a god. They don't have to ask for it. They don't study for it. They just have it. I see. Okay, so this uh, game night here in Kalamazoo in the comic book store, the D&D Encounter Night? Yeah. Wednesday nights as well. Okay. 5.30 to 8, though. And I yeah. wouldn't have to drive an hour and a you half would, round. You would have to drive for 45 minutes. Oh. I feel so bad, though, because I feel like the party is going to get destroyed if I'm not there. But uh, just, I wanted to try it out once, and I just, that drive and then the food and, oh. Not worth it. Nope. Do the local one. Yeah. Make new friends. Well, technically, this was new and old friends, because do you remember uh, George, George? Not really. Oh. If I saw pictures of us in high school with him, but Mm. keep in mind that was 12 years ago. Dave also agrees I shouldn't drive all the way up there for it. Yeah. (sighs) I, I put mine, by the way keep in mind with the condition that you actually like do it locally. Mm. So speaking of gaming worlds. Yeah. Amazon. Yeah. What is Amazon doing? Amazon, uh, unveiled a brand new game engine. They did. Yes, they, they did. It's, it's their game engine, a cross platform game engine. So this is, this is just the engine though. Like yes. Unreal. Yes. Okay. Unreal, Crytek, all those. Does it also come with a a development environment? What do you mean? Like, does it come with tools? Does it come with with a development system? Or is it just like, here's the programming for the engine? Uh, I don't know. If you go to Amazon.com slash Lumberyard. Um... Create high-quality games, build live online features in minutes, 
deploy and scale games to me. Oh, cool. Okay. This is neat. Built-in multiplayer Available features. in beta today. All right. Well, Twitch so Lumberyard. Hmm. If you want to read through the blog, guy gets into all the nitty-gritty stuff with it, it looks like. The game dev blog. Wow. So Amazon released Lumberyard. Now, there was a really cool thing. I, I've kind of feigned ignorance about this. I did a little bit of research into Lumberyard. Uh, Lumberyard, among other things, is not... They they say you cannot use this, and at the very least, uh, Amazon can't be held responsible for it if you do, for safety-critical and mission-critical services, including things like the military or space flight. They say that all of this, with the exception of if there is a essentially zombie apocalypse. Zo- wait, zombie apocalypse? Yeah, yeah. If you uh, need to use Lumberyard for mission-critical services during a zombie apocalypse, that's within the terms. Huh. Now, they don't use the word zombie. No, because it's probably copyrighted or trademarked or something. I don't know, but they, they talk about um, an infectious disease passed by bite or by touch or by fluid, causing the dead to rise. (laughs) Sounds like a zombie apocalypse to me. Yeah. If it walks like a zombie, and it groans like a zombie, it's probably a zombie. See what I did there? No. If it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's probably... I I got the duck thing. Yeah. So I just turned it in with it. Unless it's like a quail or a goose or any other number of waterfowl. Trying to think of how I want to go from waterfowl. (laughs) We could talk about water, though. Waterfowl to water? Yes. Sure. What what water do we have? Uh, Seafall. Remember how everybody was hooping and hollering about Pandemic Legacy? No. I do remember about Pandemic Legacy and talking about it and saying, what the hell is it? And you had to explain to me, it's like Risk Legacy. And then I said, what the hell is Risk Legacy? D- did I explain Rick L- Risk Legacy? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got it, I got it, I got it. So what's Seafall? So Pandemic Legacy, you know, number one on Board Game Geek, and everybody loves it. I still haven't tried it out because you need, like, a group who's willing to do the go the long haul with you with it. Yeah. But um, the guy who did Pandemic Legacy says he's got his uh, next project in the works. Okay. Um, and it's called Seafall. Yes. So you're basically... Uh, a legacy game. Yes, it's a legacy game. So it's just like Pandemic Legacy and Risk Legacy, where you play it once. And based on that, it changes it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you're basically playing kind of like pirates sort of thing. And according to him, this is like Pandemic Legacy kind of like is uh, the the TV show. What did he say? Uh, Episodic series. Yeah. Yeah. This one, he says, is going to be big. He's calling it kind of like his Lord of the Rings game. Okay. Well, he can go and do that. I have like little to no interest in it maybe i'll play it when it comes out don't know 
There's zero details about what the game would be like. Like, I, Andy, you and I have been, have been in some form or another covering the video game industry for like the last 10 years. Yes. Jesus. <laughs> Read through this article, Andy, and tell me what is actually happening. Each player plays a kingdom, and they have to tr- they explore the board, which has basically other boards in it, it looks like. Mm-hmm. And each island has different things that happen, and there's a book is, called Captain... Is, is there any hint about mechanics, about what kind of game it's going to be? Uh, there's Emnity uh, tokens. Okay, so there are tokens. Yes. That's all we know about it. What does the board look like? How do turns work? He says it should take this amount of time. Okay, that's what they have to put on the box. But it, it's not giving us anything about the game, when the game's going to be out, what it's going to be like, who it's for. This is all vaporware. This is all self-inflated. Oh, I've worked so hard on this. It's going to be so great. Look at all this cool stuff you're going to be able this is This isn't even a teaser trailer. Wow, what side of the bed did you get up on this morning? The realistic one. I'm just looking at this. Say, like, there is nothing in here that actually tells you anything about the game. This news is not about the game. The news is game developer makes game. Wow. I Harsh. Wanna, yeah, well, I want to call it out because it's annoying. Harsh. I'm, I'm sorry. Were you really excited about this? I was somewhat excited about now you're just like mm, angry <laughs> a, a little bit a little Deep bit smash yeah well can you can you blame me i mean it, from what we've covered for so long if this were a, a video game announcement both of us would be tearing into it no not really okay i'd be tearing into it <laughs> It doesn't say anything about it was inspired by this. It doesn't tell us. No, it's It begins in a world which closely resembles a swashbuckling period of the 16th century. Players take on the role of one of several provinces, journeying out into the oceans heavily with aboard heavily armored capital ships for the first time after a long dark age, not unlike the fall of the Roman Empire. The board game will look like an old nautical map as they explore west with their flagships. Players will reveal new islands and other surprises, which they will place on the board in form okay, of small see, stickers. Okay, see, that's what I was asking about. That's why I was saying, does this show any of that? So that's, At the top of the bottom of the board, now. players will place larger stickers representing big insert maps for each place that they discover. The meat of the game will be in exploring these places, like Indiana Jones, but in the 16th century. I don't know if Indiana Jones did a lot of exploration. But okay. I don't know if Indiana Jones did a lot of exploration. Really? I mean, what what did he explore? Well, Besides he, Atlantis. He did explore Atlantis, I'll give him that. Yes. That was a fun game. Yep. One that you could also play three times in a row. Did you play it three times in a row? Yeah, because the, the Fate of Atlantis video game, Yep. you're with a partner. Yep. So the game starts out always the same. Okay. But then about a third of the way through, the game actually splits. Ah, so you can go for the puzzle mode, where you know you have to solve a puzzle to advance to the next. Thing. There's the partner mode, 
where he actually could take control of Indy or his partner at the same time. And the two of, like, he worked with his co, it's co-op sort of thing, but you're playing both characters to solve the puzzles and such and move on. And then there's the fighting mode. Sucker punch all the things. Somewhat, yes. I remember that part of that game. Yeah, so you, you just, you're a lot of, it's a lot of fighting guys in order to advance. And then at the end of the game, all three lines come back together. Sucker punch everything. So like I said, you could play the game three times because you got to try each of the different paths. Gotta? Yeah. Once you, once the, you know, they converge again, it's the same thing, you know, at the very end. So, okay. But it was a neat idea. Yeah. So we made fun of Tesla a few yes. weeks ago. Yes, we did. Pretty hardcore because of the really like ridiculous auto park and summon feature. Which made you stand, what, 10 feet away from the car? Yeah, well, within 10 feet. Yeah. Um, and really, I, I, so they updated it. They released a small update, and with the update was a nice explanation. And I realized what there was. There was a disconnect in the explanation and the expectations. Okay. When you hear the term auto park and summon, you think of, like, I drive to a parking structure and tell the car to go park. Yes, I get out of the car, tell it to park. It drives around the parking structure till it finds an open spot. Right. Parks itself. Right. That's not what this is. And so that's, and we made fun of them for that. But that's because there was this disconnect about what is it called versus what is it. And really, I can't come up with a better name than Auto Park. It was just a really bad message. So they 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 updated it. And with the update, I now kind of want to go back a little bit and just clarify on their behalf. Um, it's because of the doors. Remember, the Tesla has Falcon wing doors. Yes. Not gullwing, but not normal doors. Which means that... In a spot that you could get a normal car, you cannot necessarily get a Tesla. Because the doors have to have room to do their weird hinge opening bit. Right. So this is for those situations. This is for the, you could normally get a car in there, but because I drive a $65,000 Tesla, I can't. Which makes sense. Granted, you know, having to stand... 10 feet away from the car is a bit ridiculous. Well, it's, it's within 10 feet. It's you go, you, you get out of the car, you line yourself up into the spot, you get out of the car, and then you move the car forward. Yeah. And when it comes time to get the car out, you get the car out, and then you get into the car. The idea is not you are walking away from the car. The idea is you want to be at the car already. It's not the, I'm leaving the building, let me go get the car, it's, I'm at the car, now I need to get into the car. Let me... So I will back it out of the space. But still, uh, looking at the video the guy has here, it takes one minute of standing there for his car to get out of the garage. Yes, but would you prefer to not have been able to park the car there in the first place? True. There is one parking spot left. It's just fine for a normal car. Tesla can't fit. I guess you got to go park three blocks away. Yeah, I feel like if I had this, I would try and see if I could somehow figure out a way to hack it. So I could, you know, just, you know, if I had a garage, 
you know, I'm putting on my shoes. I hit a button in the house while I'm still putting on my shoes. Yeah. Said garage door would open, car would yeah. back out, and be waiting for me by the time I step out of the house. Why Why would you not just go into the garage and get in the car? Uh, Detached garage? Do or, you, you know, like your doors, do the doors don't fit in the two-car garage. Maybe it's like one of those like 1.5 garages. See, now I think you're just trying to be like obstinate. I just find it silly that you're just literally standing there for a minute holding your, your finger to your watch because it says here that, you know, the, there's an additional feature that stops the car from moving when the car owner's finger is disconnected from either the smartphone yeah. or the fob. Well, so, so that's the update. That's actually what they used to not do. It used to be you push the button to start it and then you'd push a button to stop it. And then they realized, wait, what if someone drops their keys? The car and it will keeps, just keep going. Right, it just keeps going up till its maximum distance, or in, unless it runs into something in the sensors trip and it stops. But what if the sensors? Uh, what if the thing is in the sensors blind spot? Because we know there's a blind spot. Because we made fun of that too. Yeah. And in that case, well, they're shit out of luck. <laughs> Sucks to be you. Yep. So they updated, and I wanted to use the opportunity to talk about it again and say, okay, it's not quite as stupid as what we talked about last time. It's still, in my idea, pretty stupid. It's not what we wanted. It's not what we thought we were promised. Yeah. But it's not bad. Yeah, mostly. Um, (laughs) It's just somewhat bad. Kind of. A little bad. Google. DeepMind. Google's AI, their learning algorithmic AI. Has it did taken we, over anything yet? Did we talk about how it beat a Go player last week? Uh, looking at last week's list, no. So Google wrote an AI that taught itself how to play Go. Oh, geez. And it beat the European Go champion. Ooh. Five for five. Ooh. Now, this guy is not the best Go player in the world. He is the European Go champion. Uh, but he's pretty good. Like, he is, he is known in the Go community. He is a nationally recognized player. He's good. And the computer beat him, which a lot of experts were predicting we were still a good 10 to 20 years away from that. Google is taking this and saying, okay... Let's go after the world champ. So in March, on March 19th, Google's program will be taking on the uh, world champion of Go in a five-game challenge for a $1 million prize. I like how they explain to this here that um, because Deep Blue, when it was doing chess, chess, you know, has... The, the computer can just keep on playing the game forward and forward and forward, doing all possible moves. Yeah. Until it figures out what path it's supposed to take for the best, what, what, what move would cause the best result, best right. percentage of results. Right. Go, you can't do that. You can't do that, no, because as soon as you start, it, it, things just exponentially just blow up in your face. There you are can't more do... combinations on a Go board than there are atoms in the universe. That's a lot of combinations. By orders of magnitude. So the system can't figure out, like, it can't do the the brute force method. Yeah, it can't do what the chess computers do. Right. 
This is more Watson than Deep Blue. Yes, it is a learning AI. Yeah. So they just had to play probably thousands and thousands of games. Yep. And then basically just taught it the strategy. So this is more like algorithmic rather than just pound your head well, into the wall. But that's the thing. They didn't teach it the strategy. It taught itself strategy. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> Ooh, that uh, is something. I mean, they, they gave it strategy. They said, like, this is a strategic game. This is strategic play. But they never said, like, here are the strategies. The AI figured that out. And then they had the... You know the scene in War Games? Yes. Where Matthew Broderick tells Joshua to play uh, tic-tac-toe by itself? Yes. That's what happens. Hmm. They told DeepMind to play Go against itself like 50,000 times. You know what would be nice but probably won't happen is the fact that... um, So when Watson was doing Hit's thing, Nova actually did a whole episode about the evolution of Watson. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was actually a pretty cool thing there because they actually kind of explained like, okay, this is how Watson works. Yep. This is what was happening at the beginning. This is what we had to change. Yeah. Including getting rid of Urban Dictionary because he became a <laughs> foul he mouth sailor. Swearing. Oh, Watson. Um, that was uh, that was a funny bit there. <laughs> We're like, yeah, we put it in. We put it into his database, and, and then we had to remove it. Immediately started swearing. But I'd be kind of interested to see something like that with deep mind where they can kind of just take a step back and go, okay, this is the process that we did. This is okay. We try to have it do this. We try to, but it's my guess is it's Google and they're secretive as all get out. Oh, I mean on the technical Watson side, is, Google is super secret. Yeah. But Watson's IBM, they're not exactly open about their stuff either. True. But they did let Nova go into their stuff and kind of just do a thousand foot view of what. Yeah. But I could, I could see Google doing the same thing. Like, this is not the, this part's going to make us a shit ton of money. This is the, we want to push forward the envelope of human knowledge and understanding. Hmm. So it's going to be on YouTube. Nice. Because, you know, why not? Yeah, of course. Uh, March 9th, I should actually, like... March 9th through the 15th? Yeah, I should, I should make a note. kind of want to watch that. Not well, that I would have gonna be any idea... Seoul. Okay. Which is... Uh, plus 12 hours, 11 hours? Something. No, Sydney is plus... No, I, no. On, let's, where the heck is my stupid world calendar in Windows 10? It is 1.33 in the morning in Seoul. They are at GMT plus 9. Ah. You are at GMT minus 5? Yes, you're minus 6. I'm minus 6. So they are 15 hours ahead of me. So it you'd have to be basically let's see if they do it prime time it's nine p.m. it's twelve nine a.m. six in the morning for you if they do it prime time. Yep, oh, that's right. I forgot that Google bought DeepMind. Yep, for four hundred million dollars. Yep. Hey, if you got money, you can do a lot of things. Yep. So what else we got going on here? Um. I don't know. Happy birthday is in the public domain. That's new. Oh, good. Finally made it. Yay. That was the, uh, 
So Warner and whatever, because I can never remember their name. Uh, who Warner had, Chapel? Warner Chapel, who claimed to have the copyright for the Happy Birthday song, uh, just settled, and instead of having to pay out the essentially the return on the fifty billion million dollar whatever they made off of Happy Bur- Happy Birthday licensing, uh, it is now just public domain. So you can expect to start hearing it in movies and in TV, and restaurants, restaurants. I wonder how long that'll take for, like, Ruby Tuesday to recognize that they can now just sing Happy Birthday. I don't know. Do they have, you know, does Ruby Tuesday have a song? I have no idea. I made that up. Oh. Because I know Logan's uh, just has everybody go yee-haw. I haven't been to any other place that have had has had a birthday while I was there, so I don't know what the other places do. I don't know. But yeah, so now we could actually put Happy Birthday... On the show. On the show. Now, we do have to be careful. The song is public domain. Yes. Performances of, of it the and song. recordings are not necessarily. Yes, but if I find a pre-1927 recording of Happy Birthday. <laughs> or just one that's licensed under Creative Commons. Yes. Or I just make my own. Or we just sing Happy Birthday. What we're not allowed to sing on the podcast. Oh, crap. Still? When, what do you mean still? That was ten years ago. Well, nine years ago, right? I thought that just carried over. It was like one of those rules. There's, no, there's got to be a statute of limitations. Oh, we should add that to the bingo game. Singing? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I actually still have that document open. <laughs> Singing on the podcast. God, episode 450. Okay, uh, what else we got, Andy? It's neither uh, of our birthdays, so nope. it's the, there's nowhere to go with that. That would have nope. been great if this had been anywhere near one of our birthdays instead of as far away from them as possible. Well, I can kind of go with some sad news. We go from birth to death. Okay. Edgar Mitchin. Mit- sorry, Mitchell. Edgar Mitchell. Edgar, Edgar Mitchell. Edgar. Do you know who he is? Uh, by clicking on the the link, I have a big clue who he is. He would be an Apollo astronaut. Yes. He walked on the moon. He did walk on the moon with Apollo 14. Okay. Lucky guy. Given that he was one away from the 13. Well, yeah. Let's see, he was number one, two, three, four, five. He was number six to walk on the moon out of the 12. Yep. And has passed away. Yes, passed away on the fourth. Okay. Which means that out of the 12 people who have walked on the moon, seven are still alive. Did you see that NASA released, like, every picture they had from the moon? Oh, yeah. Why did it take them 40 years to release every picture they had? Because it's NASA and I don't know. Seems kind of silly. No, seriously, guys, we went to the moon. We have a bunch of pictures to prove it. No, you can't see them. I, I, I don't know. It's one of those questions you could probably ask what took them so long. Somebody probably already has. Yeah. But okay, so Edgar Mitchell has passed away. Another man who walked on the moon. And somehow Buzz Aldrin keeps going. Yep. I mean, for goodness sakes, I saw him on Hell's Kitchen like a week or two ago. Buzz Aldrin? Yeah. 
What was he doing? Uh, never mind. He, he was he was going to dinner. Okay. So he just was like was there. Yeah. Did the show recognize that he was there? Yes. Okay. You realize that only happened because like there was some nerd behind the camera who was like, "Oh my god, guys, that's Buzz Aldrin." Well, they they announced beforehand before the dinner service that Buzz Aldrin was going to be there that night. Okay. So I oh. have a feeling that somebody Aldrin was made like a reservation. Yeah. Hey, somebody named Buzz Aldrin made a reservation, and there's not many people named Buzz. <laughs> oh, let's see what else we got going on here. Buzz can't be his real name, right? Uh, born Edwin Eugene Aldrin. Okay. Like that, Buzz sounds like a, a nickname that is given during flight training. Probably. wonder if there's any... Uh, suggestion. Okay. Anyway, uh, time purchased what? Yeah, time purchased MySpace. Well, not MySpace, but they bought the company that owns MySpace. Is it? it I. It's still there. I guess so. Okay. I don't know. Let's just Google MySpace. Or go hey, look, to MySpace dot com. Why would you Google it? Just go to MySpace dot com. That's like Googling Facebook to go to Facebook. Just go to Facebook. There's going to be a Frozen Broadway show. No surprise on that one. That's kind of going full circle. How is that full circle? Because that's how... uh, What's-her-name got the the job. Okay. Disney Frozen, the Broadway musical. Yeah. Who's doing the music for it? Probably the same guys who did the music for Frozen. Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez. Yep, those are the guys that did the music for Frozen. American songwriter for co-creating the Book of Mormon and Avenue Q. Oh. Huh. (laughs) Frozen and Avenue Q together. I did not know that. (laughs) Like Robert Lopez, the guy who did Frozen, the, the soundtrack for Frozen, also wrote avenue q well co-wrote avenue q and the book of mormon (laughs) that's so weird huh (laughs) things you don't expect uh okay disney frozen so this is not frozen on ice this is like they oh wow wow okay so yeah time bought the company that owns myspace (laughs) <laughs> deal the terms of the deal have not been disclosed yeah but time it says it expects the company to contribute about a hundred million in digital ad sales for 2016 okay good for time i'm just waiting for like one day in 15 years when you and i are like you know what let's just buy myspace because it was worth like five bucks According to the company, it owns a database with info on 1.2 billion users worldwide, including about a billion from MySpace alone. So it has MySpace, which has a database of, you know, maybe current information. Most likely not. Not really at all. Uh, Seems to think it can do better with MySpace than News Corp did. In releasing an announcement of the purchase, Time says it plans to use the company's assets to target online ads, link usage on devices with people, and convert ad spending to actual sales. I mean, the the 
doing better than News Corp did is not going to be hard since News Corp drove it into the ground because they didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Bought MySpace for $580 million, sold it for 35 Oops. Hope it made the money in the meantime. Rupert Murdoch tweeted in 2012, simple answer, we screwed up in every way possible, learned lots of valuable, expensive lessons. Yeah. 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 Very expensive lessons. To the tune of half a billion dollars. Jesus. That's an expensive lesson. So speaking of advertising. Yes. Wired.com says now that on an average day, more than 20% of the traffic to Wired.com comes from a reader who is blocking ads. Wait, say that again? Wired has said that on an average day, more than 20% of the traffic to Wired.com comes from a reader who is blocking ads. So one out of five. Yes. Is using some sort of ad block. Yes. Okay. So they have decided in the coming weeks, they will restrict access to articles on Wired.com if you're using an ad blocker. So they're about to lose a fifth of their readers. Well, they said you can do two things. You can either A, whitelist Wired.com yeah. for your ad blocker. Yeah. Or? Or you can subscribe to a brand new ad-free version of Wired.com for a dollar a week. Okay, I don't get a dollar a week out of Wired.com. No, no, I do not. Um, and the fuck? You're, uh, this is, it's not the internet, right? Like, I have mixed feelings. On the one hand, they are a company and do need to make money to support their workers. Yes. And ads are the easiest way to do that. Subscription services can also provide... A dollar a week sounds a little intense. Maybe a dollar a month. Yeah, that's a dollar. Because oh I am a Wired subscriber. I still get the magazine. Yeah. Oh, actually, I have to check on my subscription to Wired. Um, But I pay less than that for the magazine that comes out every month. Yep. So why would I want to pay more than that? for looking at random wired articles online but the the trend that it sets is also very disturbing of like no if you don't look at our ads you don't get to come onto our our page yeah you must look at our ads which what was the one website that we talked to there's we talked yeah, about someone, who, someone was serving malware yeah on their ads. I don't remember which, who it was. Which they were not serving malware. They were had third-party advertisers advertising on their website. And the third-party group, somebody had gotten into them and installed malware onto those things. Yeah. Which, okay, if you are going to do primary ads and you are going to have it under control, then I'd be okay whitelisting you. It's like uh, Penny Arcade. I whitelist Penny Arcade because they are in charge of their own advertising. Yep. They do their own ads. Like, they, they, yeah, it has to get cleared. Yes. So I am okay, you know, whitelisting that. But there, there's been so many try, times where I've had to go clear malware off of people's laptops and desktops at work because they go to some podunk town, in population under 1,000 probably, of somebody's, like, local newspaper website. Mm-hmm. And the local newspaper website has third-party advertising. And it's got garbage on it. Yes. So yep. those things where it's like, I don't want to install ad-blocking software because the business of radio is advertising. Yep. 
but I want to be able to do my job and not have to go in there once a week, once a month, and clean out all the junk that other people haven't gotten on their web. It, it's just ridiculous. So, you know, like, if it, it depends on what Wired does. If their advertising is first party and okay, I have no problem putting the ads on there. Yeah. But as soon as one thing malicious shows up, that's it, I'm done. One strike and you're out. Just keep in mind what that one strike might do. I know. That's that's the tough one there. Yep. You don't get a lot of second chances in cybersecurity. That just doesn't happen all that often. Nope. All right, what else we got? Uh, what else do we have on here? Um, Hitman is a platform and not a game. What? Yeah, according to the head of IO, because we had talked about how Hitman was going to be released as an episodic format rather than just as one big game. Yeah. Well, people were upset about that. Right. No surprise. So um, the studio head at IO Interactive uh, calls it a platform. He's wrong. This is what he says. He says, we want to create a platform for Hitman, and I know that's controversial. A lot of people have said, why don't you want to ship, why don't you wait to ship the game? My answer is to that is we are shipping the game at the end of the season. So if you're a traditional player, you can buy it on a disc at the end of 2016, if that's what you want. No one is stopping you doing that. But why should the people that want to come on the journey with us have to wait for all that time to pass? Which I see two things wrong with that. First one, it's continuing this stupid early access beta shit that's going yep. on right yep. now. Release it before it's ready. Release, Release it, before it before it's, it's ready. ready. Have people publicly basically play a broken game and use that as your QA rather than actually doing QA. QA. Yep. And two, every single time I have bought into episodic content, it's been one month, maybe two months of episodic content. And then the well is dry and people have moved on. Do you not buy Telltale games? Actually, no. I don't think I've ever actually bought a Telltale game. So, yes, Telltale games... Because they actually do episodic content. Yes. Very well, actually. This is, yeah. But, no, like the the Batman season passes, the Assassin's Creed season passes, every single time I've done some sort of season pass or episodic content, it has not been worth it. So instead of this guy kind of apologizing for it, he feels like he just doubles down. Yeah. That that is a shame. All right. Anything else? Uh, we should be nearing the end, right? Yeah, there's some there's something about gravitational waves. Oh, yeah. Something about grav They they actually observed gravitational waves. I thought those were just theoretical. They were theorized. Oh. Which is to say, in Einstein's general theory of relativity, it said, these should be a thing, and we never were able to observe them. Well, it seems like we fixed that. Yeah, we, we finally observed it. It's really cool. Uh, the, the news, the scientific news community is essentially saying guaranteed Nobel Prize. Well, of course, yeah. If, you, <laughs> if you're able to expound on Einstein's work... yeah. But like that, they they came up with a way to do this, and that they had material sense enough to sensitive enough to do it. It's really cool. Did you have you seen how it worked? 
No, I have not looked into this at all. So the trouble with measuring gravitational waves, with observing gravitational waves, is that they actually distort space, right? So you'd say, well, I can measure the distortion of space. I go and I put down a ruler and I watch space change. I watch as the distances between things change. Except that the space containing the ruler changes. (laughs) It still looks like a foot. Because your ruler has bent with space. Like, you can't measure it that way. So you have to use a constant. So you use light. Yeah. Speed of light is speed of light. So you shoot the speed of light down a hallway. Okay. You shoot a light beam down a hallway. And actually what you do is, you'll if you see the building, it's a giant, like, uh, it, it's a right angle. Gotcha. Because you actually take a beam of light and shoot it down two hallways. Okay? Okay. So you shoot a beam of light, it goes out to the end of the two hallways, and then bounces off a mirror and comes back. Now, since you started with one light beam, and you split it, and they went equal distances out and came back, then they should be in perfect phase. Yeah, they should be theoretically one light beam. Well, not that it's one light beam, it's just, it's back in phase. Yeah. Where it meets, it should actually cancel itself out. Yes, no, I get that. Well, because of gravitational waves the distances that the light travel are different. And so they will be slightly out of phase. And Ah. if you can measure moving in and out of phase, then that is, and filter out a bunch of other noise, that's the gravitational wave. I see. So, you know, kind of cool. Huh. Man, I would... It'd be ridiculous if you're spending all this time and money building something and just, like I said, they built it in 1999. Yep. And it took this many years to finally get it so it actually works. It took 17 years. But it works, and that's so cool. All right, let's wrap this up. All right, random review. I'm going to talk about Loots and Legends. Loots and Legends. Yes. It is an Android app game. Well, for me, it's Android. Okay. I think it's also on iOS devices. Yes, it's also on iOS devices as well. Free-to-play game where um, it's got a D&D sort of twist to it, where it's turn-based and you got, you know, your, your warrior, your wizard, your cleric, and you're battling, you know, orcs and goblins and stuff. But uh, you have cards that you play every turn. And the cards give you your options of what types of actions you want to use. So you have a deck of like all your different... Each each like weapon has a couple of cards that have do different types of damage and that sort of stuff. You got movement cards, you got healing cards, so you know if you're a cleric, that sort of stuff. Okay. And so the cards kind of control what actions you can do. So one of the cards I've got here is walk two spaces. Other cards I have are walk two spaces and then attack. Other cards I have are you can attack and do five damage within two squares of your character. Okay. So it's a bit of the strategy of, okay, how do I want to go after this encounter? Because maybe my dwarf can't really walk that far, but my wizard's got a spell that I can swap positions of two characters if they're within a certain number of squares, that sort of stuff. Ah. And so, you, you know, you play the, the things there and you get weapon upgrades, which give you new options, and you can mix and match sort of stuff there between encounters. 
basically like a like a tabletop RPG, but for Android tablets and for iOS tablets. Okay, that's kind of cute. Now, like I said, it is free to play. Yes, but they are really, you know, pushing the pay for win aspect of it. Oh, that's unfortunate. So you know, you can buy um, slices of pizza. Let's see, uh, two hundred and fifty slices of pizza is five dollars. Pizza Six. is the currency in this game. Well, there's current, yeah, and there's also you can use pizza to buy gold and also um, open chests that have because after every encounter you get a chest with loot in it. Okay. And so you know you can buy better chests. Oh, then that's you can also that kind of loot. Yes. I was trying to find it by searching like L U T E. I'm like, Sorry. I can't find this thing. Loot like L O O T. Okay. Sorry. That that is very different. Okay. I'm like, where the, so where's the music? So where's the music? So where's the music? Sorry, no, this is loot like swag. Yeah. So yeah, so the, the pizza also uh allows you to join the uh club membership that they have going on. Which in every chest gets you one better item, but only if you're belonging to the club that day, which is a hundred pizza slices. Okay. Or you can get a whole week for five hundred pizza slices. So it's one of those things where it's like it's kind of throwing it in your face, going like, "Well, if you paid, you could have gotten this." Pay, 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 pay. Give us money. So it it's literally like pay to win with that because you're paying money to get better equipment sooner. So yeah, so they have like a campaign mode, and then they also have these daily arenas, which are kind of like one-offs, where you go in there and you just battle random guys, and then after X amount of time, you can battle X random guys again. Mm. So is it still worth it if it's free? I think so, because like I said, the pay part is just pay to win. So if you don't want to pay to win, you can still play it. Okay. You can still beat the guys, and it's going to take longer, and it's going to be more of a challenge, which I'm okay with. All right. Well, there you go. I mean, it's free, so it's hard to get with a, like, is it worth the money? Is it is it a time sink? Um, Not really, because I only play, like, one encounter a day. Okay. And some of these things are, like, uh, some areas are, like, three or four encounters long. So just I'll just play an encounter, beat it, and be like, okay. There's that, and then I'll just move on. Each encounter normally is about 10 to 15 minutes I've timed out. Cool. So it's not too bad. You just do a little bit a day, and you just slowly work your way through everything. Yep. All right. So yeah, Loots and Legends. Loots and Legends. Android tablets, iOS devices. It's the one with the D20 and the dragon that looks like it's from Dragon Age. Yes. Okay. Random topic. Random topic. Rolled ahead of time. What is the one thing you miss about being on vacation as a kid? What is the one thing you miss about being on vacation as a kid, Andy? Oh, I don't know if I miss much things. Because when I was a kid, most of the family vacations was having the whole family crammed into one car. Yep. And since I was the youngest and the smallest, I had to sit up front between my parents. Yep. Which was always annoying because the Cadillac had that hump up on the floor. Yep, I remember that. We we had a Cadillac too. So you had to have, you couldn't have your feet, you know, next to the pedals because then you would accidentally hit the gas pedal and that's bad. Yep. 
So you'd have to have like both feet either up on that hump or on like one on the hump, one on the right side. So it was never really that comfortable, especially since there was no actual seat there. It was just kind of the overlap between seats. Yes. Yep. So yeah, so that was uh, annoying. Um, hmm. So what was a good thing about being on vacation as a kid that I miss? Um, we went out to eat more. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking about me. I think what I miss is being a kid, but uh, and not having to pay for it. <laughs> yes. Does that count? What do I miss about going on vacations as a kid? I didn't have to plan anything. I didn't have to pay anything. You just were taken along for the ride. Yeah. Now, at the same time, I had zero control over what my day was like. And so most of it was like, we're going to go to a museum today. Yeah. I don't want to go to a museum today. I want to sit in the hotel and play on my Game Boy. We're going to an art museum. I don't care about art. Come on, let's go for a walk. I don't want to go for a walk. I sometimes s- the walks were fun, but I sometimes wanna... it's like... Sometimes the walks were following the Freedom Trail in Boston. Yeah. In four feet of snow. Yeah. And then there was, you know, when we went on vacation as a family, it was either A, down to Disney World, B, up to our cottage up north, or C, visiting relatives somewhere else either boston or manistee or traverse city yeah no i i think i miss not having everything just taken care of like or miss having everything just taken care of not having to worry about anything well you know you could do that as an adult and just get a travel agent you still have to pay for it yeah well that's the, that's the thing there you either do it on your own or you have you pay somebody else to do it for well, you. Well, I, I meant the vacation as a whole. Oh, vacation as a whole, yes. No, not having to pay for it. As an adult, you appreciate that sort of thing. Right. <laughs> what do you miss the most? Having it be free. Yes. I think that's where I'm at. All right. Uh, any other... I, I can't think of anything else that I enjoyed about vacation. Oh, yeah. Man. I feel bad saying First, that, though. No, 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 no. I know, I know something. I know something. And it's not something that is truly missing. If we wanted it desperately, we could get it back. First experiences. That's something I, I kind of miss as vacationing as a kid. The first time seeing the ocean. The first time going on a boat. The first time uh, looking down into the Grand Canyon. So how long are we supposed to stand here? Five minutes? Oh, like 30 seconds. You see <laughs> it, then you're done. Any more would be disrespectful. Yeah. You haven't seen that movie, have you? Nope. Uh, it was not bad. But but firsts. Seeing yeah. a bunch of, of firsts. Alright, that's a wrap. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast or send us an email at mail at rapodcast.net Thank you for listening. Thank you.